0: Good morning. Well, if you've ever uh, seen a poster on the wall that's got a picture of Uncle Sam pointing at you, you know what it says, right? Uncle Sam wants you for the U.S. Army. Well, today I'm here to tell you God wants you for His Army. Amen? He certainly does. Any superhero fans in the house today? If you like a superhero, just raise your hand. Raise your hand up. Let me see. Okay, that's good. On the count of three, I want you to yell out your favorite superhero name to me, okay? On the count of three. One, two, three. All right. Man, you got them all covered right there. Uh, wow. Hey, you know, my favorite superhero is Superman, okay? But a close second to Superman, well, I like Spider-Man too. It's a good guess, Miss Charlotte. He's probably number three. The Incredible Hulk. Woo! The Incredible Hulk. Man, now... That's pretty awesome right there. Now, David, I'm a big Hulk fan. You know, I never looked like the Hulk, but always as a little kid, I thought that'd be cool to have some muscles like that. Okay? Wow. But guess what? Uh, My favorite, probably one of the reasons I really like the Incredible Hulk so much is because he had a TV show about him. Who remembers the old TV show? Do you remember who played the part of the Hulk? Yes, you're connecting. with Sister Sherry, do we have a picture of Lou up there? I think we got a picture. There he is. (laughs) Look at that, man. Wow. Hey, there's no computer generation there, okay? That's real muscles on old Lou. That's pretty awesome, isn't it? Yeah. Well, I was a big Hulk fan. I even had this incredible Hulk action figure, and he had a backpack on it. and had these, these strings you could tie across the room and hook onto something. You pulled this button, and he would fly. It was awesome, man. And I wanted to show that to my kids, you know. And it's gone. It's probably worth a whole lot of money. I bet my mom sold it. That's what happened. And then bought kids' uh, presents for her grandkids. Yeah, that's probably what happened. But I love the Hulk. You know, and in fact, I was just thinking about this morning. Uh, would you all like to see an old Incredible Hulk video? Yeah. Would you like to see that? Okay. Now, this is pretty awesome. Okay. Now, that, you know, they kind of ruined movies today with computer generation. All right. We don't need all those special effects. So I'm going to move over here. and Y'all just enjoy this awesome clip. It'll take you back. A few years. <laughs> <laughs> that Wow! Hey, you don't mess with the Hulk, you know. And I was praying about, Lord, should I show that video? You know, are they gonna are they gonna like it? They just gonna thank Jason, that's dumb, man. But you know, uh, Sister Sherry Stell, she was gonna sing today, and she's sick, so y'all pray for her. And I thought, well, either I sing or I show the Hulk video. So, <laughs> hey, now that's when shows were shows right there. You know, I mean, everybody, that's real, isn't it? Wow, no, no special effects there. Well, maybe really cheesy special effects huh but you know they've made a lot of modern day superhero movies I don't know if y'all know that but that's a big deal out there today superhero movies and there are some pretty good ones that have the Incredible Hulk in them one of one of my favorite lines from a movie that involves the Hulk there's this bad guy named Loki do any of y'all have any family members named Loki okay good because I wasn't going to say this next part but I'd be angry too if my parents named me Loki you know that's a funny name So Loki, he's he's the ultimate bad guy, and he tells Tony Stark, who's also Iron Man, he said, We have an army. And Tony Stark replies, We have a Hulk. Yeah. Woo! Hey, let me tell you today, guys, there's a real enemy, his name's Satan, and he does have an army of fallen angels known as demons. But guess what? We have a savior. And he wants us to be part of his army today. A couple of weeks ago, I preached to you about the fall of man in the garden. Maybe you remember that. Well, today's kind of part two to that. I knew that I was going to get to preach again as our pastors at Nationals and several of our staff. Uh, so y'all pray for everybody that's at Nationals, our competitors, over 30-something people from Kavanaugh, at our Will Baptist National Convention this week. So I knew I'd be preaching today, so I have part two for you. Okay, so I kind of talked about, if you remember the great crime scene, the fall of man in the garden. Do you remember that? Okay, good. Two of you do. Awesome. I love it. And in this, we talked about how you know, Satan, he tempted Adam and Eve, and they fell for the bait, right? And then because of that, there was a sin curse, and all these consequences came upon them, including relationship problems and, and you know, death and pain and childbirth and having to labor for the rest of their days. Bad stuff, right? Difficult things, But we also talked about how God made provision for them, and he's made provision for us. Well, today is kind of part two of that. We talked a whole lot about the enemy and just how powerful he is. Well, guess what? Today, we're going to look at Scripture that equips us to stand strong against our enemy. You know, we just don't have to to hunker down in fear, okay? We can be confident. We can be courageous. So we're going to be in 2 Kings chapter 6 today. We'll start there, and then we're going to be going to the book of Ephesians chapter 6. So we got some good stuff lined out for you today. We'll be in 2 Kings 6. We're going to read verses 14 through 18 this morning. It's also on the screen. Then he sent horses and chariots and a strong force there. They went by night and surrounded the city. This is talking about the king of Syria, Okay. When the servant of the man of God got up and went out early the next morning, an army with horses and chariots had surrounded the city. Oh, my Lord, what shall we do? asked the servant. Don't be afraid, the prophet answered. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And Elisha prayed, "O oh Lord, open his eyes so that he may see. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes, and he looked and saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. And as the enemy came down towards him, Elisha prayed to the Lord, Strike these people with blindness. So he struck them with blindness as Elisha had asked. Let's pray again. Father, we love you. And I pray right now, Lord, you will speak into our hearts. Lord, speak through your word as only you can with your Holy Spirit. And just help us, Lord, to be part of your army. Help us to trust you and hold nothing back from you. We love you, Lord, and ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Today, I want to share with you three things that Elisha's servant experienced and that we can also experience in our lives. First of all, he was afraid of a problem or circumstances. Okay, Verses 14 and 15. I'm going to read those again just so we'll kind of focus in. So, the king of Syria had sent horses and chariots in a strong force. They went by night and surrounded the city. And when the servant of the man of God got up, and went out early the next morning, an army with horses and chariots had surrounded the city. And listen to his words. He's talking to Elisha. Oh, my Lord, what shall we do? The servant asked. I'm going to share some things with you. I would referenced it a couple weeks ago, but there's a really good book by Priscilla Shire called The Armor of God. And I'll be referencing a few things from her book and a couple of stories from her book. But she tells this great story that my wife really identifies with because... Priscilla and her husband have a house full of boys and they love sports and they love to wrestle particularly. And she said when they were little it was cute, but now they've gotten bigger and it's not so cute because they'll hide around the corner and as she walks into a room, they'll just pick her right up across her shoulder, throw her on the couch, pin her down and start tickling her and there's nothing she can do to get away. She's pinned down. Well guys, on a serious note, we do have an enemy and that is the devil and he is more powerful than us. And if we're not aware of how he works, he can pin us down. He can render us helpless with his tactics. Okay, So we see this, this servant of Elisha, he was afraid of this huge problem. The king of Syria was warring against the king of Israel. But God's prophet Elisha would receive a word from God about where the Syrians would be camped. So Elisha would go to the king of Israel and he would say, Don't go there because that's where The king of Syria and his army is camped out. And so time and time again this would happen. Well, the king of Syria got incredibly frustrated. And he thought he must have a traitor in his army. So he finally asked the army, who's the traitor? And one of his servants spoke up and said, there's no traitor here. It's Elisha, God's prophet. He knows the words that you speak in your bedroom, king. And he's warning the Israelites where you're at. And that's why your plans are getting messed up. Well, obviously, this didn't set too well with the king of Syria. So he decided, I'll just go get Elisha. So guess what he did? He gathered up his army, a huge army. And he found out Elisha was in Dothan. So he surrounded his house. Now, this part is purely me speculating. But this is how I always like to envision this, okay? It's probably not gospel, okay? But this is the way I like to envision it. So just humor me for a moment. I envision Elisha... Like, in the middle of the night, God said, you know, they're praying, they're talking, and Elisha's praying to God, and God, at the end, is like, oh, by the way, Elisha, the king of Syria, he's going to try to kill you. He's bringing an army against you, but don't worry about it. And God just kind of smiles, and Elisha kind of smiles. Okay, God, thanks, no problem. So the next morning, oh, Elisha, he's up cooking breakfast, maybe some biscuits and gravy, some scrambled eggs, like a men's prayer breakfast sounding good, huh? Wow, making me hungry. And so it's smelling good. And I, and I can just imagine, he's got this servant, okay, this young man. And we know that Elisha had these servants that he mentored. They were, they were kind of Padawans. They were Jedi's in training, prophets in training. So he's mentoring them. And I can just imagine, with a smile on his face, he says, Hey, would you go out and get us some water from the well so I can get finish getting breakfast ready? Knowing what was out there. You know, maybe Elisha even had a conversation with God. Hey, should I tell the kid what's out there? God's like, Nah. Just let him find out for himself. You know? You know what God likes to do? He likes to stretch us. God likes to, he likes to get us out of our comfort zone. Because when we go through difficulties, we grow. So this was a learning opportunity for this young man. So he walks outside to get that, maybe some water, and he looks out and he is surrounded by an army. Every direction that he turns, there's a huge army of Syrians. And he is terrified for his life. So, can you imagine? He comes running through the front door, his eyes wide open, and he's like, Elijah, Elijah, there's an army out here and they're going to kill us, you know? And can you imagine? Elijah just had this little, little grin on his face. And his servant's like, Why are you grinning? What's so funny? This isn't funny, Elijah. This is serious. I'm not joking around. It was a serious situation to this man, right? He knew that he was outnumbered and overpowered by this army. Listen, I want you to think about right now. Don't answer it out loud, but I want you to think in your mind right now. This is very important. Think about the most difficult circumstance that you're dealing with. You got it? Keep it right here. Maybe it's a person, it's a problem, or an overwhelming situation. Listen carefully. Whatever you just thought about, It is not your real problem. What do I mean by that? You know, the things that we perceive with our five senses, they're not our greatest issue in life. You see, even though we do wrestle with these issues and they're very serious, and God cares about the things that we're dealing with, remember this. We need to spend our time and our energy dealing with the real culprit, and that is Satan. You see, everything that occurs in the physical world that we can... We can bring in with our five senses and take in, guess what? It's directly connected to the spiritual world. And we'll be in Ephesians 6 in a little bit that talks about the wrestling match that is going on in the spiritual realm that we can't see. But it's real. You see, Satan, he's not a visible enemy, but he's a real enemy. Make no mistake about it. So here's the deal. Here's what Satan does. As long as he gets you to focus on the things that you can see and not what you can't see going on below the surface, then he's got you where he wants you because you're distracted. And, and we'll put our eyes on the physical problems of the world, and then it'll be just simply, woe is me. I can't handle this. I'm overwhelmed, right? Or am I the only one? Maybe it's just me. But guess what? Satan, he's waging war against us in the spiritual realm. Why? Because he wants to stop us from what God really wants to accomplish through our lives. Yes, there's going to be problems in this world. Yes, there's going to be heartaches and difficulties, and sometimes things that are almost unbearable. Life is not promised to be easy here. We talked about that a couple weeks ago. That's part of the sin curse. Now the earth is messed up. Our relationships are messed up. We have to to strive and rely on God for things to be like God really wants them to be. But we're always going to have opposition here. And life is going to be difficult and painful. And there's going to be some days we don't enjoy that much. Wow. But guess what? These things are only temporary. They're not our real problems. The real problem is below the surface that you have an enemy, and he is attacking you each and every single day. So, keep your eyes on the prize. Persevere and hang on to God through any pain. Now, if this was the end of my sermon, it'd be kind of bleak, wouldn't it? But guess what? It's fixing to get better. Let's read on. Verses 16 and 17. We're going to talk about awakening to God's provision. Awaken to God's provision. Here's Elisha's words. Don't be afraid, the prophet answered. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And Elisha prayed, O Lord, open his eyes so that he may see. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes, and he looked and saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. Now, here's where it gets really good. This is incredible. Uh, Let me go back to the wrestling match. So here's this lady pinned down the couch, her ornery boy's. Tickling her and holding her down. They won't let her up. But then her husband walks in the room. Six foot three. A big dude. All the younger Shire boys, they scatter in every direction. Okay? Suddenly she's back on her feet. Free. Not because she was stronger than her boys. But because she's in relationship to someone who's stronger than her boys. Okay? We'll never overpower Satan on our own, but guess what? We are in relationship with Jesus Christ when we trust him with Lord and Savior, and he has the victory, and he will overpower Satan. Okay, So that's our connection, not because of what we can do, but because of who we're in relationship to. We need to open our eyes and wake up to that fact. See, Elisha was aware of something that his servant could not see. Elisha knew that God's army outnumbered the Syrian army. And you know, I love it when God sends people into our life to bring a calming effect, don't you? All right? I need people in my life to bring calming effect because uh, I get pretty fired up at sporting events of my kids. You know, Nick, we've talked about this. It's exciting, you know. You get, you get into it, and I know some of y'all have grandkids that play too. We get excited, don't we? Hey, don't act like y'all aren't competitive people out here, okay? We get competitive. I know that we do. Well, A little story, we had a Kavanaugh t-ball team this year. Man, it was hilarious. We had a really good time. Lots of great families and kids. It was fun. But guess what? Uh, I kind of helped put the team together, but I know my limitations, okay? Ray, I know that I don't need to be the coach because I just get too excited. I get too nervous, and I'll just start yelling things that really... Aren't even correct. So I have I, I'm a recruiter. Did y'all know that I recruit? That's kind of what I do at the church too. I recruit you, okay, <laughs> to to serve in in the Lord in our church. And so I'm I'm a recruiter. So I go up to to two guys, uh, Stephen Duvall, and who played drums for us this morning, and my brother-in-law Nick Howard. I'm like, now guys, we're gonna get this team together. And here's what I need y'all to do. I need y'all to be the coach. And they're like, now we'll help, but we don't have time. Like, okay, that's good. You just help. It'll all be good. Of course, they know what I'm doing. My brother-in-law knows. I know exactly what you're doing. You're just going to say this. And then next thing I know, you're going to say, hey, I can't be there. Would you go ahead and run the game and coach and lead the practice? So that's what Nick and Stephen do. But it gives me such a calm. See, then I show up to the game. These guys, they know their stuff. You know, they're coach. They know, they know the rules. They know what's up. And so they can, they can translate that to the kids. See, if I get around the kids and I'm trying to be the head coach, they just get nervous. They just fall apart. But these guys, they can bring, they can bring confidence to the kids. Okay? They can bring excitement and energy and focus. So that's a that's a powerful thing. We need people in our lives that can bring confidence to us, confidence in the Lord. Right? We need people like Elisha. They're saying, hey, don't be afraid. God's got this. His army's bigger than Satan's army. You don't have to worry. Man, what a great thing. So imagine, here's Elijah. He he's, he's sent out you know, his servant, and his servant all of a sudden is reassured. Wow. Okay, I get it now. And his eyes are opened to the power that is available to him. Wow. That's, the, that's a big deal. You know, here's the thing. Biblical truth gives us the right perspective in life. Did you know that? When we focus on biblical truth, our problems aren't so overwhelming anymore. When things look bleak in your life, turn to God's Word. Now here's the deal. We know from Scripture that Satan drew a third of the angels out of heaven. That's a big deal. But guess what that means? Two-thirds of the angels are still on God's side. So that means God's army outnumbers Satan's army two to one. And, not to mention, let me give you some more confidence, God single-handedly can whip Satan and all of his army anyway. Did you know that? In fact, he already did, didn't he? At the cross, when Jesus was buried in the tomb and rose again on the third day, guess what? He defeated Satan. And you're like, well, you shared that two weeks ago. Absolutely. And guess what? We need to remember that each and every single day. We need to remember every day that Jesus already conquered the enemy. He defeated Satan at the resurrection. So notice what happens next in our text. This is amazing. Guys, listen, we need prayer warriors in our corner. Elisha was a man of prayer. Do you remember who his successor was or his leader was? Elijah. And when Elijah went to heaven and it was time for him to go, Elisha said, Lord, would you give me a double portion of his spirit? And he said, if you see him go up in a fiery chariot, you'll know that your request has been granted. And guess what? He saw Elijah go up. So now Elisha, powerful man of God, man of prayer, prophet of God. He's praying for this young man. I want people like Elisha praying for me. I want y'all praying for me as I pray for you. That's what our church family needs to do. We need to be prayer warriors for each other and for those that God puts in our lives. And so he prayed for God to open his eyes. And God answered his prayer. And that young man saw Now, physically, there was nothing wrong with his eyesight. He was still a young buck. He had good eyesight. My eyesight's not so good anymore. You know, I don't want to admit that, right? Things are a little blurry. Do you all notice me squinting when I'm reading up here? Joy's making me an appointment for the eye doctor. I've been in rebellion. I've been holding up. I don't need it. I don't need corrective vision, but yes, I do. This young man's eyesight was fine. He saw the army. But what he needed was spiritual LASIK surgery. He needed his spiritual eyes open. And that's exactly what Elisha prayed for him. Lord, help him to see your army. Help him to see, God, that your hand is mighty and that you're strong and that you want to help him and that you want to empower him. And God granted Elisha's request. And all of a sudden, this young man could see a mountain full of horses and fiery chariots. And all of a sudden, it's a game changer. Like I can imagine, you know, the Rocky theme song, Going through his head or eye the tiger. I mean, all of a sudden, he's no longer scared. He's no longer afraid. He's ready to go out and fight. He has confidence. Now he's like, okay, God, I get it. You're greater than anything that can come against me in this world. You're greater than anything Satan can throw at me. Wow. But check it out. Elisha's prayer opened the eyes of the servant to realize the resources that were available to him through God. Listen to me. If we want to be victorious in this life, if we want to be confident, then we have to be able to see God's power. The more aware that we are of spiritual truth, and the less intimidating Satan is. But you know what? It's not enough just to know spiritual truth, is it? We gotta apply it. We gotta apply it. Here's a, here's a news flash. This is something I'm I'm learning. You know what? You can buy a gym membership, okay? You can belong to a gym. We might have a picture of that up there. All right, maybe, uh, there it is. There's a gym. See all that cool equipment in there? You could, you could, buy, you could join that gym today. Did you know that? But just because you join that gym, it doesn't mean you're going to get fit. I'm sad to tell, tell, tell you. You got to go. That's right. That's right. You got to go. You got to get in there. You got to get to work. You know, you can't sit on the couch and eat the hot. Warm chocolate chip cookies that just came out of the oven with a tall glass of ice-cold whole milk and expect to get fit. Why do those have to taste so good? I love chocolate chip cookies fresh out of the oven, hot, with a tall glass of milk, and they love me too. (laughs) And I don't eat them as much as I used to because I'm 44 now. But I sure do like them. I sure do like them. The other day, uh, we were actually getting internet hooked up at our house because the boys are older now and they need it for school. And these two young guys, young bucks, they were in there working at our house, hooking everything up. They're real nice. Well, Joy was making chocolate chip cookies. Oh, man, they smell so good. You know that, you know when you walk in the house and that, that just, it fills up the whole house. Are y'all with me? Man, I mean, what, just, ooh. So Joy has this huge plate of chocolate chip cookies. Well, you know, I'm like, oh, I'm throwing down cookies today. I don't care. I mean, I'm eating cookies. And guess what? I ate a few of them shamelessly. And then I thought about those two young guys in there working. I thought, you know, there's no doubt, man, they're smelling these cookies. So I thought, I'll I'll go ask them if they want some cookies. So I go in there. I was like, hey, uh, my wife made some cookies. Would you all like some? And the one guy goes, well, they were smelling awful good. And so I set a plate full of cookies, and, you know, while I was in there, they wouldn't go get them. You know, they just kept working. But the minute that I turned my back and then came back through, just a few seconds later, the cookies were gone. Every crumb devoured. They're amazing. But, guys, we can't just take in cookies all the time, right? If we want to be fit, man, we've got to get to work. Listen, if we want to be spiritually strong and have spiritual victory in our lives, we've got to implement the things that God's made available to us, Right? So I'm camping out here on this point for a little bit, but the servant's eyes were awakened to God's resources. I want to share with you guys this morning some resources that are available to us, things that are already there. If you're a believer in Jesus, these are yours. But you can't utilize them if you don't realize that you don't have them, right? So God, he spells it out in Scripture for us. So we're going to go over to Ephesians 6, and I want to talk to you about realizing what we have from God and then how to put that into action. So a couple of things here. First of all, uh, the, about the first three chapters of the book of Ephesians makes us aware of the resources and the blessings that God has given us. You go to Ephesians 6. You got it? It's on the screen, too. Before I read it, I'm going to read a few verses leading up to it, starting in Ephesians 1.3. Okay, you can just listen here. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. So Jesus has given us these spiritual blessings. Okay, so here we go. Ephesians 1, 7 and 8. Listen to this. Powerful verse. In Him, meaning Jesus, we have redemption through His blood. The forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that He lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. Redemption means emancipation of a slave or a prisoner. It's a payment of a ransom price. The price paid for our redemption from bondage which was the very lifeblood of Jesus poured out at the cross. Forgiveness, loosing a person from what binds them. It comes from the verb to send away. Remember in the Old Testament, the scapegoat? Every year there would be this symbolic act where symbolically the sins of the Jewish nation would be placed on this goat, And they would send this scapegoat into the wilderness and literally watch it walk away, symbolizing that when we believe in God, when we place faith in Him, that He removes our sins, we can watch our sins go away. Wow, that's a great gift, isn't it? So we have redemption, freedom. We have forgiveness. Our sins are sent away. What else? The riches of God's grace. God's grace is His unmerited favor that He just lavished on us. He poured it on us generously. I'm grateful for that, aren't you? Wow, how about wisdom? Who needs some wisdom? I need some wisdom. Knowledge that sees things as they really are. We need wisdom to perceive things as they really are. Remember, when life's difficult, there's stuff going on around us. Hey, what's under the surface? Spiritual warfare. What do we need to do? Pray. Seek the Lord. Right? Rely on His blessings. God gives us understanding. That's discernment that leads to right action. All right, listen to verse 13. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. Having believed, you were marked in him with the seal, the promised Holy Spirit. Here's some more blessings that Jesus has already made available for us. We have the word of truth, the inspired, inerrant, God-breathed scripture. We have the gospel of salvation. That's eternal life for all who believe in Jesus. We have the Holy Spirit. That's God indwelling in us the moment we confess Jesus as our Lord. Guys, this is good stuff. I hope you're getting excited about it. I hope you're feeling confident today because this is what Jesus offers for you. This is the truth. And then listen to verse 19. He gives us his incomparably incomparably great power for those of us who believe. God's power is available to us. Wow, guys, it's good news. So how do we put all this into practice? Well, we're going to read a few verses now. From Ephesians 6, this is where it gets really good. Hold on. Are you asleep or are you awake? Are you hanging in there with me? Have I given you too much already? Okay. Don't don't fall out on me now because this is the best part. And if you wake up at the end of service, you'll be like, what did I miss? You missed the best part. Oh, no. All right, listen to Ephesians 6. You've heard this so many times, but it is so good, and, and we need it in our lives. Verse 10, finally. With all kinds of prayers and requests, with this in mind, be alert and keep on praying for all the saints. Pray also for me that whenever I open my mouth, words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel. Wow. Guys, listen to these. Listen to these verses. Let's just, let's just break this down a little bit. Paul is telling us how we can stand strong. He's reminding us, remember, the things we see on the surface. That's not what really is all about, is it? What's going on below us, it's this spiritual war. And that's where we wrestle, and that's where we need to fight our battles on our knees in prayer. Listen, our spiritual armor, it can never be activated until we're praying. We got to pray. We got to put prayer into action. If we're not praying, guess what? We're not going to see spiritual victory in our life. We got to connect into the Father. That's our most powerful weapon is prayer. And unless it's a vital part of your life, then Satan's going to have his hand on you and his thumb on you. Prayer's a place where spiritual battles are won. Let's talk about the belt of truth. You know, as Paul wrote Ephesians, he was actually imprisoned. So maybe he's looking at a Roman soldier who's guarding him, and he uses that armor as an illustration of spiritual armor that we need to have on. And he looks at that belt of truth. It's a girdle that went around the soldier and it protected his core. It's important to have a strong core, you know, to protect our back, right? Right? Because back trouble is no fun. And so we need that. We need to have a strong core and that protects us. Well, guess what our core is in the spiritual realm? It's the truth of God's word. Our core is the truth. We must be grounded in the truth. And that is essential to our existence. And that flows into every area of our life. If we're going to be healthy spiritually, we have to have a strong core. We have to be founded and grounded in the truth of God's word, right? Are you with me? Amen. The next piece of armor is the breastplate of righteousness. This protects the soldier's vitals. We refer to this as our heart. And spiritually speaking, our heart is connected to our soul. Right? That's why we say we invite Jesus into our heart. Okay? It's not just about our organ that pumps blood. Right? It's about our soul, who we really are. And we, we invite God in through belief in Jesus. And that belief is founded upon the truth of God's word. Guess what? When we trust Jesus as Lord and Savior, you know what happens? His righteousness is imputed into us. That's good news. Because only righteousness will be allowed into the kingdom of heaven. The only way we get into the kingdom of heaven is if we're covered by the righteousness of Christ. We get to put that on. That protects us. That protects our soul. So keep that breastplate of righteousness on each and every single day. And you know what? If we're going to put on a garment, we need to make sure that we take off old garments. So he's saying, hey, you take off the things of the world and you put on the qualities of Christ. Right? Like humility, patience, love. Gentleness, unity, peace, truth, kindness, tenderheartedness, forgiveness. Those are the things we need to put on, not of our own ability, but because Jesus has already made them available to us. All we have to do is accept them and then say, Okay, Lord, I can't do it on my own because I'm a person of flesh and blood, but I I have a a relationship with you through my spirit, and I'm asking you right now to help me demonstrate your qualities in this life. It's a big deal. Because then guess what happens? People notice. And you have a testimony, and you can lead people to Jesus. Let's talk about the shoes of the gospel of peace. For a soldier, he had to have good footing in battle. A soldier's shoes would often have spikes or nails in the bottom of them to give him a foundation. Well, guess what? We need to have a foundation. We need to have solid footing in this life. As I said earlier, there are problems. And I ask you to think of your worst problem in this life that you're facing right now. Guess what? In the middle of the problem, we can have a solid foundation because of the gospel. Because of what Jesus has done for us, we can stand strong in the storm. Remember the Hebrew word shalom that's in a lot of the Psalms? Peace be with you. It literally means we can have calm in the storm. That's awesome, isn't it? We need to keep that calm. We need to keep those shoes on so that we don't slip and fall. Let's talk about the helmet of salvation. This is important. A soldier in battle, he had to protect his brains, right? It was like a skullcap protecting him. Well, guess what? When we've trusted Jesus as Lord and Savior, here's what we can believe that our identity is now in Christ. You can believe that's a truth, and you can claim that each and every day. Did you know the mind is a powerful thing? And you you can literally, you can either have good thinking habits or bad thinking habits, and that literally creates channels in your brain. So, guess what Satan does? He puts negative thoughts in our minds, right? How many of y'all have ever had a negative thought about yourself? Yeah. We mess up and God's like, or not God, Satan's like, you're no good. You're dumb. You're a loser. Right? And and that's from the enemy, guys. So here's the deal. We need to take those thoughts captive. And we need to reprogram our brain to have Christ-like thoughts. And and gain ground. Because if you have negative thinking, it's going to poison your body. It absolutely will. Let's talk about the sword of the Spirit. This is the offensive weapon of a soldier. This is what helps him to go out into battle and to conquer the enemy. That's the word of God. We've got to have the word of God. That's our sword. When Jesus was tempted by Satan, he quoted the word, and Satan couldn't stand against it, and he had to flee. Know the word of God and use the word of God. Well, finally, the last part of our story, we see a servant who's amazed by God's power. Because when Elijah prayed and his eyes were open, then Elijah prayed again. And he said, "Oh Lord, would you blind the enemy? And that's exactly what happened. They were blinded. So there was this great victory. And this servant had to be amazed. It doesn't, it doesn't tell his reaction. Scripture does. But I know that he had to be amazed at God's victory. Listen to me today. When we plug into God and we use the resources that he's given us, when we put the armor on, we can have amazing victory in our life. We don't have to be defeated by the enemy. We can be overcomers. Listen, guys. God's calling you to be part of his army. Problems are real. But God's more powerful, and we don't need a Hulk today because we have a Savior. Let's pray.